Good morning, everyone, everyone on Zoom. So, um, the title of this talk today is Celebrating the Senses. And uh, there have been actually many books written, I remember researching it once, about half a dozen books, which have the title Coming to Your Senses. Um, one of the most recent ones was by um, the founder of Secular Mindfulness, John Kabat-Zinn, is the name of one of his books. And uh, it's a good title, you know, and, and it's a good way of um, helping us to understand and guide us through Zen practice about what we're doing. But often the word coming to your senses means being sensible, as in being rational. <coughs> but the way I mean it is literally coming to your senses. Uh-huh. or celebrating the senses. Now, there was a, um, a well-known um, Buddhist story which is called the Bahia Sutra, and I think you've um, heard me make reference to it before in Zen. It's actually a koan around it. But there is a, a man who is a, he's obviously a very deep-thinking man and he's referred to as a philosopher and he's gone through great doubt trying to understand what his life is about, what the meaning of life is. And he comes to the Buddha and he says, look, can you just tell me, just tell me in a few words, just give me the nutshell, what, what, what is the essence of your teaching? And the Buddha must have sensed in him that he was really quite sincere person rather than just looking for some glib answer. <clears throat> and the response he gave to him was, In the seen, there is only the seen. In the heard, there is only the heard. In the sensed, there is only the sensed. In the cognized, there is only the cognized. In other words, to use our language, there is is just seen, you know. There is just the sound of the car going by. Mm -hmm. There's just seeing the chair, you know, without anything added on to it, without any reaction added on to it anything inflamed added onto it, just just that experience, just that sensory experience. <clears throat> now, in our Western way of um, classifying things, we have five senses. So we have hearing, seeing, smelling, tasting, touching. In the Buddhist psychology system, the mind is also a sensory um, gate to the world. So that the six senses in, um, in Buddhism. That's why when um, the Buddha says, when you cognize, just cognize, when you think, in other words, just think. We do, we are human beings, we do think, and we use language. <clears throat> but as Joko refers to, there's, there's constructive thinking about how to plan a vacation, do you know, or um, work out a recipe or something like that, or organise something. That's constructive thinking. Um, but in flame thinking, or really abstract thinking, where we go beyond what is necessary, is is what we all get caught up in. You know, all of this abstraction, and there's just in the smorgasbord of sensory experience that we can enjoy, but we're looking elsewhere, somewhere else, for the meaning of life. So it's important to get an idea of what are we doing 
rather than just being with our sensory experience, you know, coming to our senses. What are we doing other than just that? And there are many things that we do. Um, we, we, we follow, we're looking for the meaning in some abstract story about a religion, you know, a god somewhere, and if we find the god, it's all going to make sense. But a lot of that's just um, an abstract story that's being made up by human beings. And then some people think, well, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. Right? And what those people do, well, the truth is within you, you know, when there was, there's some kind of soul or there's some kind of true self inside of me and it's hidden behind a veil. And if only I can look beyond the veil and find my true self, then I'll be liberated. That's not Zen either, right? There's plenty of plenty of Zen teachings that challenge that particular abstract way of looking at life as well. Come back to Hakuin's words. This very place is the lotus land, this very body, the Buddha. And that is inviting us in to the present moment sensory experience of our life. Mm -hmm. And it's there all the time, but we keep searching for something else all the time. Or if we're not searching for meaning, um, we're searching for wealth or status or recognition or something that we think is going to make our life meaningful or happy. But Zen is none of those things. It's not the spiritual searching, it's not the religious searching, it's not the craving after recognition or wealth, it's none of those things. And it just keeps coming, bringing you back to just this, what's just this, what you're seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, touching. May I add a few more to that as well? Um, not only is there eyes, ears, nose, etc. But when you look at the body and the sensory experience of the body, there is also feeling. Right? So you feel love, joy, um, pleasure, pain, um, fear, anger, disgust. You know, all this, so this, those feelings are part of our experience as well. Mm -hmm. And the experience of pleasure and pain. Everything we sense, whichever sense channel it comes through, it's either pleasant, unpleasant, or it's neutral. You know, and that makes up the great bulk of our life. That's what, in in fact, that's what ninety percent probably of our experience in life is, is just living through the senses. But we're somehow disconnected from it. Now, these talks are always best when um, you, you pin them down to actual examples in life. Um, so I want to share with you something that happened to me yesterday, which, um, which sort of puts this in context. As you know, I'm a sailor and I have a, a yacht, and um, I've had the experience over about the last three or four months of having a lot of problems with the the batteries and the electrical system, so I tried to get it fixed. And it took me about four months before there was a long waiting list to actually get it in and get it fixed. And I spent a lot of money, it was quite expensive getting new batteries and a new alternator and so on. So after getting my boat fixed during last week, I take it out on, on yesterday. 
um, after not having been out for a while. Within five minutes, the battery alarm started off. Beep, 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 red lights going, etc., um, which indicates that it's not charging. Right? So, if you come back to your senses, all that was happening was the red light was going on and a beep, beep sound was occurring. Mm-hmm. Now, if I was fully enlightened, that's all it would be, right? And then it would signal something, just like, um, or like those those warning signals in an engine, just like pain in your body, it signals that something's not right, something needs to be done about this. So if I was fully enlightened, there would be just the, the, the red lights and the flashes, and something's not working, what do we need to do about this? Um, but being a, um, um, a flawed human being, <laughs> um, what I noticed happened was a rising a sense of frustration and an experience of disappointment. That would be the two words that I would describe with that. So if you're working with that, then you acknowledge that that is also a sensory experience occurring in your body, right? There's a feeling of disappointment and the feeling of frustration. So it's being present to that as well. So if you're completely enlightened, Right? Be just the red lights and the flashing and signalling something's not working. But there's, an in, there's a kind of an inflammation happens, frustration, disappointment on top of that. But you can work with that. Okay, so the disappointment and the frustration arises. But if you're working with that in your life, it stays at that level. Right? It stays at that level of disappointment and frustration. Instead of getting into a rage and blaming everyone or making up, you know, elaborate abstract stories, you know, about why this has occurred and what, who should have done what, etc., right? You get tangled up in that. But if you're practicing, yeah, okay, the disappointment and the frustration is there, and you come back and you're just being present with it. And that is an example of, I guess. You're not all sailors, but I'm sure there's things in your life that you could relate to when things just simply do not go the way that you expect that they would when you thought there was a reasonable expectation that it would occur in a certain way. And we see our reactivity to it. So what the Buddha is referring to here is that there is just sensory experience and then there is our reaction to sensory experience. And what the awakened life is, is not having the reactivity. Mm -hmm. It's the reactivity just dropping away. Now, I I haven't met um, anyone in my last week yet, including enlightened Zen teachers, who have no reactivity. Uh I've seen people who seem to have less reactivity than others, but I haven't met anyone yet who has no reactivity. So our practice is not becoming perfect, but it is about coming back and living in the present moment and living through our senses as much as we can. And if we've only done that, we've started off practice only doing it 10% of the time, and we end up doing it 70% of the time, good. It's a movement towards something. The thing is that... um, Children live through their senses. 
anyone who's spent any any time with a child or animals do too they just live through their senses and kind of like everything imagine it like a a young child like a toddler you know walking down the road with their mother or their father and they're just amazed by everything they see they're looking around and tasting you want to touch things and put things in their mouth you know smell them they're just absorbed you know and instead of us staying with that childlike one wonder in life we get caught up in all of these stories and abstract thinking and that's where we live you know when all of this smorgasbord of stuff is happening around us so zen practice is like being a child again in a sense in in opening to those that wonder to the world every moment now coming to your senses from a zen perspective is not just the same as being um, an observer of empirical data like a scientist would be. That's what a scientist does. That's what empiricism is like. They're, they're going, what's really happening here, right? That rat hits the lever every time I give it a reward. That's, you can see it, that's what's happening. But that's empirical science. But where Zen is different, and that's good, you know, that there's something really concrete in that. And that's why Buddhism has been likened to being, being like a science in it. It is very empirical. But there's a difference. And because with the scientists, they're trying to be the, the detached observer. And they're in their detached observer. And this is me over here. And this is what I've am, am observing over there. And there's no, not a sense of actually, we're all part of one life. We're all part of one interconnected being here. So the Zen experience is not just being present to what is through our senses, it's being one with it at the same time. There's no separation from it at all. And this is what comes through all of our koan study. And if I could simplify koan study, it brings you back to just this, right? just this almost in some senses the answer to every koan is just this mm -hmm. with variations on the scene mm -hmm. um, and often those koans are full of metaphor and paradoxes and they seem very confusing um, but what do you got to remember about these old Zen teachers they're, they're poisonous snakes they're, they're tricksters, they're like they're foxes. And what they're trying to do, they're kind of like, they're saying, well, if you want to get caught up in abstract thinking and doubts about Buddha and Buddha nature and blah, 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 well, then I'll lead you along. Mm -hmm. I'll lead you along with these metaphors and phrases and fancy words until you can finally see that they're just all abstractions, right? You can just see that they're all abstractions and just come back to just this. I'll give you an example of them. Um, Daito, who was one of the, um, the great Japanese Zen teachers that the temple Daitokuji is named after where I first started my Zen practice in Kyoto in Japan. One of his um, phrases was, when your ears see and your eyes hear, you will cherish no doubts. How naturally the rain drips from the eaves. Mm -hmm. Trying to entangle you. Mm -hmm. 
entangle you so that you won't get entangled anymore. Let me give you another one which is even more outrageous, which was on our Zen calendar. And this is by Sansanin, who's now um, died, but he was um, a very well-known Korean Zen teacher. And I had the... Um, he was a good friend of Robert Aitken Roshi, and uh, I had the good fortune to um, meet him once when I was sitting in his dojo in Los Angeles. He was a very vibrant, actually I saw him twice, once in Sydney too, very vibrant, robust teacher. So what does Sansanim say? When you are hanging by your hands from a mountain ledge and you can let go, not thinking of life or death, then you will have true freedom. You can see the wooden dog eating steel and defecating fire. You can shake hands with the hairy shell turtle and the rabbit with horns. You can learn to play the flute that has no holes. But where does the sound of the flute come from? Don't let him fool you with all that nonsense. But that's what they do. Zen is very simple. There's nothing to be found inside. There's no secret to be found inside. There's no secrets. There's no secrets to be found outside of you. When you hear all the time that life is about coming back to the present moment, what is that? It's what you're hearing. It's what you're seeing. It's what you're tasting. It's what you're smelling. It's what you're touching. It's what you're feeling. It's even what you're thinking. As long as you don't get entangled in the abstract thinking and make more and more out of it. Mm -hmm. So it's just clear, precise thinking that engages us in life. So to end with, just come back to, come back to that simplicity. Um, The, do you know that the name of, the translation of the Mumon Khan, the first set of koans that we work on, is called the Gateless Barrier. The senses are gateways into the world and the, and the Gateless Barriers. And the, that is the Gateless Barrier, which is there. And when you come back to that fundamental fact, then we come back to Hakuan's words that I mentioned before, which are really wonderful words. This very place is the Lotus Land this very body, the Buddha.